Welcome to episode 47 of the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar, Mark Sharon, Stephen Slate, and I will be talking today about how you get over addiction and move on with your life. We are the co-authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and The Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model offers a completely different approach to addiction. It's a real solution that is individual-centered. We offer two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private one-on-one classes, and that's at our beautiful private St. Jude Retreat, or through the at-home Freedom Model private instruction program, which we do via video conference like Zoom or Skype. You can get information about our retreat at SoberForever.net and TheFreedomModel.org and about our private instruction, at-home private instruction program at LeaveAddictionBehind.com. Today, we're going to talk about what is choice and how does recovery take really take that away from you? Yeah. So uh, this is an issue that, you know, is constantly going to be going over people's heads. And um, when I started my blog uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, probably <laughs> so, longer. No, yeah, was, maybe longer. Was, no, it was 2010. It was 2010. Was it? Okay. Yeah, summer 2010. You know, when I just led with addiction is a choice, not a disease. Yeah. Now that <laughs> is really... Now, you know, it's a concept people get, kind of. It, it's yeah. a concept some people get, but it, you know, when you're really struggling, you're like, you know, what do you mean? I've sworn this off a million times, and I haven't been able to stop. Right. It's not just a choice, you know? Right. And, yeah. and so it can be very confusing. And I almost, as we're doing the second edition, want to say addiction is volitional, not a disease. <laughs> but volitional is going to be a word. That's a yeah. tough one. It goes... It, it, you know, that goes over your head when you first look at it. Um, but, like, what we said somewhere in the book is that to choose is to look at more than one thing, right? Because if I, if I sent you to the fridge and say, oh, you can have whatever you want to drink, and there's nothing but Diet Coke, <laughs> <laughs> it's your choice. Have what you, yeah, you know. do what you want. <laughs> um, if, if you're just looking at one thing... You know, it's not much of a choice right. conceptually. You know, choice means you have more than one path you can go down. And you look at those paths and you say, you know, I like that path better than that one. It's, it's more attractive to me. I think I'm going to do better down this path here. Or having this soda or that soda. Yeah. I want the sugary soda mm-hmm. or I want the diet one because I'm trying to cut a few calories where I can. You know, whatever, and, you know, I think it'll be just as satisfying to have the diet. I had to train myself to like diet soda. I think we all did. Yeah. Like, I used to think it was the absolute most disgusting thing. Well, do you remember the first one was like tab, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was really gross. I remember some wrinkled (laughs) old, my seventh grade (laughs) math teacher drinking tab. She was such a gruff woman. You know, like hated her job. Like an hated old kids. woman. She was actually really cool. <laughs> always had tab. I'm like, what is that disgusting fan of soda there? Yeah. No. What's that oil can on your desk? <laughs> and the, the logo disgusting. is so bizarre. Yeah. It like was. It, it was like just the, like an oil can. Yeah. <laughs> like an oil can. But but yeah, you know, I remember training myself, but then I liked it. You know, I'm like, well, like, I have good reason to try diet soda because I just don't want to, like, taking be taking in these unnecessary, unnecessary calories. You know, right. I'm starting, my right. metabolism was starting to change. And when I was a kid, I could drink 
10,000 calories of soda a day and, and it didn't matter. Like, yeah, and then it started mattering. Um, but then I started to like it, you know. Um, but anyway, I'm going way off on soda here. <laughs> Tab. Tab. The, the oil can. The oil. <laughs> there was an indication that we were going to go off the rails before we even began recording, yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to, to, to recovery. To, to, yeah, well, so, you know, you it's looking at more than one thing. To choose is look at more than one thing and say, I like that one better. But what happens in recovery? You look at one thing, and they say, be very afraid of that thing. Focus on all the reasons not to do that thing. Now, I want to jump right in there. So, the operative word is focus in, right? Focus. So, you're focusing on what not to do. And it's right? the classic, don't think of a pink elephant thing. <laughs> and what do you think of? Yeah, pink yes. elephant. Many pink elephants. You can't try to not think about something. That's right. So, so recovery, you're going to daily meetings. That's a, sort of the structure of that, right? And so, every day, they're like, don't forget. Don't forget how bad it was. Don't forget. Yeah, remind yourself you. every day. Yeah. So you're you're focusing on one very distinct option, which is, you know, how much you you disliked getting high. Yeah. And actually, we all liked it, or right. we wouldn't have been doing it at all. Right. So it ignores might, the obvious. Yeah. We might have a love hate relationship yep. with it. Yeah. But we ignore at but least the, the love part is yeah. ignored. We ignore it, and then. <clears throat> And, and particularly, like, I was running around shooting up heroin and cocaine all day long. I mean, that was my life. And ours was, was drinking and other drugs. Yeah. yeah. Now, so much energy was put into that. So much mental energy. And to then just think, okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And now, I'm, what am I What am I? Do yes. right though what what and <laughs> and I was obviously that focused on it because and I, I, it was clear to me the first time I met with a counselor like I do this because it's the thing that makes me happy you know and I know there's problems with it but when I do it it feels damn good yep you know and um, and nothing else is really doing that for me at this point. So, you know, there's, it, it is an option that we see a ton of value in, even if we have the love-hate, even if we know we're crashing and burning of it, because of it, all of that. And, and so, but recovery just says, be very afraid of this. Think of all the bad things that have happened. Oh, and by the way, you lose control. And this is, this is the part that's really the big fear manipulation. If you ever, you just have to know that you are an addict. And that means you have this allergy to this thing. Mm. And if you have any of it, and never mind that, it wasn't just heroin. If, if Even though That's heroin right. was what I was focused on, if, if Steve has a drink, he'll lose control. Yeah. And he'll go back. And they tell you, you'll lose control. You turn into a zombie the minute that you have one drink or drug. And you're off to the races, and you won't be able to stop. So build up that fear, and it's all just make you afraid of doing the thing. Ignoring options. And, and instead of weighing out the options, like, wait a minute. I can spend my life wrapped around this thing, 
doing it all day every day or I can abandon that and look to opening up new activities and avenues in my life and and seeing what it's like to go through days without getting all my pleasure from a drug. I, I have a story about this. Yeah. I have a story about this. So in my last bender, I, I, I was drinking, my last bender was a six-month continuous drunk, right? And about, I would say, two months before I quit, before the end of that, I was going to get beer at about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I had a fake ID, and I was going to the Grand Union across from my dorm room, my, you know, my dorm building. And I'm, I'm waiting at the light, and now um, I know that by 10 o'clock, my hands will start getting jittery, and I'll start shaking inside. And, and I'll have massive panic attacks if I don't get a couple beers in me. Mm-hmm. So I'd always have a couple stash. Well, this this one particular day, I didn't have any stash because my drinking buddy, his name was his nickname was Chickers. He he had he had taken him back to his dorm room, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. So so I'm I'm waiting at this at this light, waiting for it to change, <clears throat> and I see a kid pull up, and he's in a suit, and. I, I'm not in a suit. I'm like in sweats and my I'm unshowered and, and I'm about to go take care of my withdrawal. And it, so, but his car blocked me because traffic had blocked me and I'm looking and I can't help but notice and he's looking at me, I'm looking at him and I realize he's going to work. Yeah. He's going to work. And then I look at the next car, they're going to work too. And then they, and everybody's kind of looking at this disheveled kid on the side of the road at eight <laughs> o'clock going to the grocery store, right? Which was ill-fitting. Nobody else was out. And it occurred to me, I I wish I was that kid. Yeah. I wish that I was doing that. I wish because I grew up in a in a really good working household, right? I mean, we all had jobs. I had been working, so I wasn't working anymore. I was just this bum. I and I felt like a bum. Because I was wrapped up in one option. All I was thinking about at that point for about four months straight was I got to get booze by 10 o'clock. I got to just do this, this. And I was hiding it from a bunch of people. But I wanted my life, and you said it a while back, the opposite of addiction is diversification. My life wasn't diverse. It was absolutely myopic and depressed. Yeah. You know, because I didn't believe that I could be the guy well, in a suit. So this is a massive obstacle. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, but then then when you go, like my goal when I went to AA, when I went to get help, was to be able to get on with my life. That was my goal. My goal was to be normal. And But when you go to AA, what they say is you got to make this your priority. Yeah, it's, well, you have to be there. You can't be normal because those are normies. Yeah, normies, and I'm not a normie. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, I remember saying um, to this, I don't, I don't remember who I said it to. I was like, so we just, we we have to go to meetings every day forever. Yeah, it was weird, right? Forever. Yeah. And and they're like, well, you can do whatever you want, but if you're gonna. Jump out of an airplane, I'd suggest you get a parachute. <laughs> I don't remember that. I never you heard know, that. I would suggest yeah. you have a yeah. parachute. Yeah, you don't you don't have to to go <laughs> Come to, to meetings. meetings. You don't have to, but 
But you're going to hit the pavement pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we do suggest you have a parachute when so you jump out of an airplane. That's what I thought. I thought of that story when you brought up this topic. Yeah. Because, because recovery really does take away choice. Yeah. It yeah, really it does. does. It, it eliminates it. It completely. Like, you can only choose complete abstinence and the recovery lifestyle. That is, when people go into a meeting, that is what they're told. Well... Yeah. I am a person in recovery. I'm no longer a person. And now, here's the part that gets me. You can't choose to stop, but you can choose recovery. Right. Right. (laughs) That was the one that I heard many times that I was like, what does that mean? Like, you can choose to go to meetings and this and that, but, and that would mean, I suppose, in lieu of doing heroin, right? Mm -hmm. But... I can't just choose to not do heroin right? and do other things with my life and time, you know? And and so it like that, it's, it's all, um, you know, it's all, I want to say mind fuck. So I'm going to say that (laughs) I'm trying not to swear. Well, it's like, it's just like when they would say things really contradictory things like you can't stop. Yeah. But just don't drink and go to meetings. And I'd say, wait, I said this. Yes, I said yes. this, and I said it at a Saturday Night Live meeting in oh, downtown Troy, which was just that an armpit. Was, it was, was an armpit. It was in a, in a shit show on a good night. Oh, it was <laughs> it was in a concrete bunker, a yeah. basement in inner city Troy, New York, <laughs> and just a smoke filled, gross place. And I was oh, like, well, well, the well, the whole point is, I did stop drinking, so I. But you're telling me to not drink. I can't not drink, and I have to go to meetings or else I'll drink. But yeah. I did stop drinking, and so I'm going through this, right? Yeah. And, and it's like you can't be a critical it, thinker. Exactly, like Steve just said. It was a total mind fuck. And then everybody's looking at me, either bewildered, like I can't believe he's saying this, and my brother is kind of like nudging me, like, dude, don't like, shut the hell yeah, up. Yeah, what are you talking about here, kid? And because uh, he was a longtime AA member at the time. And, uh, and then other people were pissed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to say this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I got the cue and I was like, I'll just show up. And then they're like, you know, you got to take the cotton out of, out your, of your ears and, and stick put it, it in, in your mouth. mouth. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, so it's terrible. It's, yeah, you can't question it. So something that uh, stuck with me, the, the Sobels, you know them, right? Oh, yes. Of and... They did some paper where they got a hundred and something stories of self-recovery. People who got over cocaine, heroin, and alcohol problems in Canada, Switzerland, and the U.S. without any treatment, without any meetings. And they had them tell their stories and they analyzed, you know, the themes and everything that they were saying. And I remember one of the guys saying, he's like, it's like, well, I made a choice in favor of life, in favor of me, in favor of what I want to do. Now, that could sound very, like, 12-step in a way. Yeah. I don't know. But, but it, no, that sounds, but, but that sounds like he's moving on but he, in favor. But it's the moving on thing. And, and I think, I know when I was first encountered with recovery, I just thought heroin was the best thing on earth and... And the way it was presented to me was, and, you know, they reinforced that, obviously. 
And then they were like, you know, it was just repress your desire for that. So that's the part where it's like, no, actually you can choose a better life. But they're saying just choose a life where you're not self-destructing. And I'm yeah. just like, well, sorry, that that ain't enough. Yeah, it's not appetizing mm-hmm. to me to just be in a... Be in a like a limbo state. Yeah, yeah, a placeholder. That right? I'm going to be where, a placeholder in life, really. Where you're, you know, in this misery of fighting the addiction, battling the addiction, yeah, repressing I, I, what you really want to do. And choosing means, and really choosing in this context, means, oh, I could do that all day, and it's, it's kind of sucking, and it's kind of, like, boring, and... And it comes with all these consequences. There's a high, of course, that is just not what it used to be. Or I can do something else with my and it means the the other part of like choosing your your new life. And that's yeah. kind of not it's so hard to say because there's no black and white here. Right. Right? But I think if you've been in meetings, you understand, and if you've been in treatment that there's just sort of like this focus on not doing yeah and totally. we're saying focus on doing yes but so much so there's this focus on not doing so much so that you're told in the first year you can't make any major changes in your life right yeah yeah you can't fall in love yeah i was told not to go back to college i was told not to change jobs no relationships no jobs no change in anything oh it's yeah just go to meetings and don't drink I or bet. drug yeah, yeah. And so that's also infected the all of the um of the, not i'm not gonna say all many of the alternative programs yes i had the strangest experience i don't know if i talked about it on the podcast before but it was like about a year into when we started doing the Skype. So that was like back in 2012. And somebody who had gone to Passages called me. And um, she thought she needed aftercare. She had, she had left Passages six months earlier. And they were like, all right, you need your... Um, Special dietitian, you need um, your cadre of therapists, acupuncture, you need trauma therapy, you need this, you need to do all these things. And she had been, before she went to passages, she'd been going to nursing school. And they were like, don't go back to nursing school. It's too stressful. You need to just set up with all this therapy, and for the next year, you're going to work, you need to just work on yourself, work on your issues. And somehow that means don't get a career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because, don't, because don't move the, your life forward. Because the implication is, what is the implication behind that advice is, if you have stress, because yes. when yeah. you expand your life, there's certain stresses that happen naturally. It's yeah. just yeah. challenges, yeah. right? So it's, you're fragile. And I hate that. I can't tell you how much I hate that. That was the message that they gave her. Yeah, something is going to make you drink again. I think it was drinking. And and I go, so, you know, she tells me all of that. So what happened is she left there. She immediately went back to nursing school. She felt great. She didn't want to drink. I'm like, you know, dude, why are you seeking out my help? Because first of all, it sounds like you had a good experience there. Right. She... You know, I think she talked about things that she needed to talk yeah. about. She met people that were nice and caring and heard her out, which is one of the most important things. Yeah. Yep. 
And um, but then she got off on that. Then she tangent. She went and was living her life and was happy about it. And I asked you. I mean, do you feel like you're drinking? Are you? You're like right. You know, like no. She didn't feel like drinking at all. Nothing. But it started to nag at her that she didn't do all these extra therapies they recommended. She didn't do an aftercare program. She didn't. And and maybe, and I'm like, well, but I'm like, are you afraid in the future you're going to? And she's like, no. Well, that's what kept Danny White trapped, right? That's his story, yeah. too. And there's many stories like that where in the they've moved on. Yeah, she moved on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and they, their lives progressed forward, but then because they were told by professionals the tyranny of experts, oh, you better watch out. Yeah, you better yeah. be careful because you don't know when it's going to yeah. strike, when the mood is right? going to strike you. You need recovery. And that was the question I always asked. Like, I asked everybody in AA that would listen to me. I'd be like, so, so I don't want to drink. I don't want to go back to doing... What is going to make me want to go back to doing that? I remember you that? saying that. Yeah, yeah, I used to I say that because I was scared. Wheel. Yeah. I was scared. I was like, you keep telling me something's going to happen. And so I didn't listen to them. I got involved with Bob at three weeks. I went back to college. Yeah. I changed careers. I mean, I did everything I wasn't supposed to do in that first year because if I had stayed stagnant... um. I probably would have killed myself. I mean, I just, that's yeah. just not me. Yeah. So you wanted a better life and that, and that was just what you were moving on to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with people screaming at me, stop. And yeah. It, yeah. Now, as soon as you start having this discussion though, a lot of people are, that what comes to mind is busy work, a hobby. Oh, right. right, activity. right. Think that's what we're saying. And it's like, well, if you want hobbies, you want activities, go do them. Right. But it's not quite what we're saying. It's right. like, it's really like, let's dig below the hobby and like, it, you know, just be like, so some people might hear this and they say, well, I should go to nursing school like that woman. It's like, well, no. If nursing school is your is what you want, <laughs> right? right. If that's just naturally what you want at this point in your life. Well, then yeah, but it's not fixate on an activity it's say like living that life offers me this much happiness can i envision moving on yes. with more and one of really the fir- one of the first things i do with a guest I, I just did it this morning um when we do life movements when we're talking about yep. moving on getting out of recovery and moving <clears> on <throat> is i say i i think i i need from you a, a sort of nameless vision of yourself where do you see yourself in five right years? And that's sort of a trite thing that people say. But, yeah. But but really, where, where yeah. do you see yourself? Because people think it's so trite, so they don't do it. And then they go, I don't know. Yeah. And I go, well, that is a problem. <laughs> yeah, because, what, what do you because, want? Yeah, if you're going to move on, what are you moving on to? Who, who are you? And see, I think... And again, so that's the lack of the other option. Right. Like, just literally no vision of another life. It's just, alcohol gives me everything I need. Right. And I have to give that up. It's just that. And so there has to be some vision, right? Yeah. Of what and, it's like without that. And, and the important part that you brought up is, 
you know, some people think that, you know, getting hobbies as a distraction, and I almost look at them as little activities that are a distraction, and they don't work because, no. because you're still focused. If you're trying to distract yourself from something, it means you're still thinking about the first object, okay? Yeah. Moving on is where you just let the old object go. Yes. And so, so it's, it's almost like your gaze switches a completely different direction. You go, what's over there? What's over in that direction that I've never really looked at or I've dreamt about for 20 years and I just haven't had the courage to try? Why don't I just go try? Fuck it. Yeah. Why yeah, don't I just what do I have try? to lose? And I'm telling you, I did that for years. I tried a million different things. I was having fun trying. I was falling flat on my face a million times about a bunch of things. I went to five different colleges for five different majors to get a two-year degree in fine arts, <laughs> which I eventually loved. Mm-hmm. But I was trying. I was swinging the bat. Yeah. You know, and that's what life is about. Recovery is the opposite. It stifles you. It self-limits you. And you become, you get put in a box, a trap. I call it the cage of recovery. And you just sit there with the door shut while yeah. everybody else around you is living their life and you're jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Pining away for the thing that you can't do that you think is the end all be all of existence. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. So... Um, and the thing is, re- recovery and uh, people that work in it, in treatment, they th- think their job is to manipulate you into abstinence. Yep. I mean, that's what they're That's paid, their goal. That's what they're paid for. They might yeah. not ever say it that way. But when I talk to some of these people, some of them very enlightened and knowledgeable actually because that's some of the crowd that I'm connected to like they'll know about this loss of control stuff all the research we put in the appendix of the freedom model that there really is no such thing as loss of control but they're afraid to tell anybody about that yep because they think they're basically giving well I would be giving this person permission to drink if I told them that 50% 50% of people who have ever fit the diagnosis for alcohol dependence are currently moderate drinkers, and there's no such thing as loss of control. Those are facts, and they're facts that they're afraid to say because that means now the person has the option yeah. yes. to moderate, and they're not trying to give any options. Right. They're trying to push you into abstinence, which means you're not making a choice. You're being scared, and I know I've said this a million times, is it's like the mugger pointing the gun at you and saying, give me your money or your life. That's essentially the interaction that is happening, and you are being robbed of choice. Technically, you can make your own choice, but you're operating under yeah. total fear and narrowing down to one option and the people have asked me you know why why do you think treatment is geared that way and i can tell you that in society when you have an institution like rehabilitation it almost always will morph into a model of control right because it's much easier to push people and prod them and manipulate them than it is to listen and allow them to make their own choices and work with them on those choices right and so it's the difference between the person at the rehab wielding some sort of control, we call it the control model, or the person serving 
truly serving and listening and saying, okay, what options are out there for you? Because that's a lot more complicated. Yes, it, it is. It becomes much more complicated and, and nuanced and and it takes work to listen and to allow the person to go out and make their own mistakes and live their life the way they want to. It's a hell of a lot easier to have a black and white box that you stick everybody in and you say, you better be scared of this or else. That, well, that's why the majority of tr- the treatment model is group therapy. Yeah. It's support group and group therapy because you're each person is not an individual. And even if you talk to somebody, and look at I know a lot of people in the treatment industry that are wonderful people mm-hmm. I do too. That, that really want to help. And Steve's right. They know what we talk about. They know there's no loss of control, but there's a fear there, you know? And so they want to give these people in their mind the best chance, but that's why you can have a room full of people and tell them all, you know, just be scared, just be scared. You know, jails, institutions are death. That's all that's out here for you. If you decide you're going to go back to using something, whatever that may be. And that's why we actually kind of graduated to this one-on-one approach. Yeah, it becomes really hard in group therapy to uh, tell the truth as yeah. an individual because what happens in a peer dynamic like that is you will eventually acquiesce to everybody else. You're yes. going to rewrite your history. You're, you're going you're gonna to morph your story to be collectively a part of the There's, collective to, to agree yeah. with everybody. You're going to take on what they say because you don't want to look foolish. And see what I did, I, I'm sort of a nonconformist, so I didn't do that. You know, I was in group and I was saying, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I was a rabble rouser in a way Me because too. once I started saying those things, I'd watch the room get really uncomfortable and I liked it because I was like, you know what? If this, if this freaking counselor is going to run my life and I'm a tell cap- me how to live yeah and I'm a captive and they've totally destroyed my life treatment destroyed my yeah. life then I'm going to make their life a living hell and I'm going to ask every question that comes into my <laughs> mind and I would I would create little mutinies in the group therapy <coughs> until they kick me out and then I, they'd sign me up for longer periods of time and shit right he, he had to keep going <laughs> I did an extra six months I don't advise that if, if yeah, you have play your, the game <laughs> get out yeah, yeah. play the game and get out yeah man. if you're <laughs> mandated just say yep I got a disease and blah 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 <laughs> yeah. and so they will sign off on you getting out of there as fast yeah. as possible possible was... and then you move on with your life <laughs> um, but yeah so I, I think choice I'm gonna say it again means looking at more than one option and you got to ask yourself is that really what I've been doing and I understand sometimes you're in such a deeply emotional place that you can't imagine another option right you you yeah. haven't been able to ima- imagine it for months years you've just thought i'm broke i'm a broken person this is the only thing that can make me feel good and i get that and i get that when somebody tells you it's a choice it can really be insulting when you're in that position but this is a choice and it is volitional and that's another aspect i want to talk about it's like when people think of choices Think of buying a house, let's say. Yeah. And you're going to look at several listings. You're going to look at the features in the houses. You're going to really weigh things out. You're going to think about mortgage and 
insurance and taxes. I'm going through that right now, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, right? And you're going to wait. And we think of these very deliberate things. But now I ask you this. If if, If I'm driving down the same road to the same path to work every single day, and I don't really think at all about what I'm doing it's when true. I stop at the light, when I make a right turn and then a left turn, right, when I get off the rotary at the third way out yep. of the rotary, and all of these things, because I've done them a hundred times, 200, 300, yeah. 400, how many thousands of times sometimes when you're going to the same place for years and years and years. But, but can you really tell me that I'm not, even though I'm not thinking about it and deliberating, that I'm not making, that it's not volitional, right? Right. You, you know what right. I mean? Like, is I can. You're still I can, choosing. While I'm on the rotary, say, you know what? I'm getting off. Di- I say rotary. People call those roundabouts or something. Yeah. yeah. Rotary and the same thing. Yeah. Traffic circle. Traffic yeah. circle. Yeah. We call them rotaries in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. And I can say, you know what? I'm getting off this exit of the rotary. I'm going to the McDonald's for breakfast today. Yes. I can do that. I can make that choice. My driving around all of that is volitional. So it's in the realm of choice. So when we say choice... There's varying degrees. Well, there's some choices that you're very deliberate and conscious about, and there's some that you've made a million times. And the way that this applies to the drug thing is like, there's times where you be like, oh, should I like get high? Well, maybe I'll get high at lunch today. I'm like, that's a new thing for you and you think it through. Um, and then there's a point where you've done the, all of those things so many times, you know, that whenever I have a spare moment, this is what I need to do. Or whenever I get yeah. in a fight, I'm going to go have a drink. And you just, these are pieces of knowledge, like taking that path to work every day, that same route where everything is really a choice but you're not sitting there thinking it through. You can be thinking about totally other things. This is just what I do. This is what I always do here. And it works. And I don't need to think about it. I can do it. Just I can just do it. And you get in that mode with drugs where it's just like, this is what I need at all times. So it doesn't feel like a choice, choice anymore. Because right. there's not all this deliberation, but I guarantee you it still is just like driving down the road and saying, I want to take a different route today. Oh, there's going to be traffic this way because uh, the fair is in town or whatever and saying to yourself, I'm going to make a different, I'm going to make a left turn. But, it, but here's, right turn. But here's the, the deal with that. So then you, you decide to move on from drinking and drugging from this uh, habitual lifestyle. And people get overwhelmed, right? I've, I've right. watched it for 31 <clears throat> years now. Well, you've been doing the same thing, the same right. thing, the same thing. The and same then thing. recovery is telling you to, you know, switch that mode to this other self-limiting mode. Right. Right, where you're still wrapped you're tr- up in You're this trading whatever drug you're doing every single day for meetings. Or whatever. For meetings. So it's all prescribed for you. You don't really have to think about it. You just, you're living in that sort of mode. But people get intimidated by moving on, going in this other direction with different choices, and they don't need to. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. It's just like before you get in a fist fight, if, if you've ever gotten in a fist fight, and, and you, yeah, it, I you, have. you go out, you, you go out, and that is genuinely a scary thing. Okay? <laughs> yes. But what's, it's not scary when you're in it. 
It's scary before. Before. Most of mine have been ta- I've been tackled from behind. As about <laughs> so you didn't have a chance <laughs> to I be didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make a point here before it gets funny. So, so you know, the the fear of moving in a new direction is much greater than the actual movement there. So you, my so point true. is, there's just there's a point where you look out at the landscape of your life and you're like, and then just do it. Just try. Just try, and all kinds of doors will open up. Because I, when I finally tried, my life took off. Well, yeah. I mean, it was kind of messy. Yeah. But but you really can do it. I just want the listeners to know that they don't have to go to meetings for their social life. They don't have right. to go to meetings for support. For support. They don't have to talk about drinking and drugging as a means to not drink and drug. That's counterintuitive. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. And hang out with other people that are talking about drinking and drugging as yeah. a means. Yeah. And you also it's, don't have to make yourself. So I see this a lot with, with a lot of parents and stuff. Like, the only way they know to not drink is to make themselves too busy to drink. Yeah, you, you don't, don't have, have to, to do, do that, that either. Either, right? You, you can, can learn to relax without it. Yeah, you can have that downtime without it. Like, there's, you don't have to um, be fighting. It doesn't have to be a battle. No, yeah. no, it really doesn't have to be a battle. It wasn't a battle for me. It was when I thought about it that way, and me then too. eventually I just got to the point where I was like, I'm done. I yeah, like I was I, ready to move on. Yeah, this got it got really boring. I wasn't getting out of it what I used to. It was it was just time to move on. And so going into recovery really kind of set me back a me little too. bit. Me you too. know, it, it made me, me made me think that there was something terribly wrong with me. And something special about the drug and mm-hmm. you and your relationship with it when it's just like any other choice. But it but it's it's uh yeah, just allow yourself to move on. Yeah, so if you've been struggling, I think one of the main things you got to ask yourself, have, have I really been, cho- like, have I been trying to make a different choice here or to just repress right. and restrain myself from making one this choice? choice. One, this one choice of using. and um, That's a I, good way of tying it up. I Yeah, I think a lot of people who haven't been able to make headway could probably say, yeah, I've just been trying to scare myself straight and not make this choice or, or, you know. So this is what needs to be opened up. I know that's all very abstract, but um, no, it's, it's you can dig into the book for more that's right. exactly. on what it means to sort of start fleshing that out. You know? Yeah, but, figuring it out. But the good news is that um, most people... Over 90% get over their drug and alcohol use problems. And um, only about 20% ever get help. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the power to do this. Um, and, uh, you know, you can dig into our books for more on how to do that. Or you, you can sign up for class with us to uh, Watch learn more about how to do that. But you, mm-hmm. you absolutely have the ability. It just hasn't been framed the right way in your mind yet. And framing is extremely important. That's right. So, Michelle, tell them how to get the free book. All right. If you want, our books are free, uh, uh, digital versions of them, at thefreedommodel.org forward slash products. And then if you're going to get the Freedom Model for Addictions, you enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. If you want to get the Freedom Model for the Family, you enter 
FAMILY100 at checkout. And if you're someone that is um, trying to leave AA or NA or one of the 12-step the programs and you have family that is scared, um, the Freedom Model for the Family is a great option for them. I would highly recommend that they read it so they know the truth about addiction and the truth about, uh, you know, support group meetings and, and why you would want to leave. Um, so thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Or if you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or any other habitual behavior and you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites at thefreedommodel.org, leaveaddictionbehind.com, and soberforever.net. Um, we have a bunch of free resources at thefreedommodel.org, our videos, all these podcasts are on there. We, this is number 47, so there's 46 more on there. Um, and the digital editions of our books. And we also have some free ebooks as well. Um, if you have questions you want to reach us, I just gave you our phone number. I'll give it again, 888-424-2626. You can get paperback and Kindle versions of our books on Amazon. Um, you can email us at info at thefreedommodel.org. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. We have three Facebook groups um, that where we discuss leaving uh, addiction, recovery, and treatment behind you. Um, that's the Freedom Model Group, Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery, and Families Moving Beyond Addiction and Recovery. And there are so, some great leaving AA and D programming groups as well. From everyone here at the St. Jude Retreat and the Freedom Model, oh, one more thing. If you are struggling with uh, alcohol, benzo, or opiate dependence, you and you want to go to uh, detox, you can call our friends at Gallus Detox. They're, they have a wonderful detox facility. Uh, they're located in Denver and in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to gallusdetox.com um, to contact them. That's gallus, G-A-L-L-U-S, detox.com. So thank you, everybody. Until next time. Bye.